0: Welcome, football fans, to Season 1, Episode 5 of the Purely Pitskin Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Noyd, and with me today is my good buddy, Eric Radicek. We've been friends for a few years now, both football fanatics. We love to banter about in the world of football. And uh, Eric, I'm so glad you're on the show with me this week. How you doing, buddy?
1: Well, Pete, my friend, I appreciate you having me on the podcast today and I've been listening along to the first four episodes. I've got to say you guys are doing a fantastic job. I'm enjoying the journey and I can't wait to see what the future has in store for you.
0: Yeah. And we get to talk about the NFC West. And again, I'm going to sound like a broken record by the time these previews are all done and we've done the whole NFL this preseason, but exciting division most people myself included would call it the toughest division in football because all four teams are good quality football teams with bright futures ahead of them it seems is that what you think
1: what can you say about the nfc west that hasn't already been said about mad max's thunderdome it's a steel cage arena and we can expect a fight to the death come september i absolutely agree pete
0: yeah, we're we it's going to be a fantastic year of football and it's going to be a fantastic year within this division and seeing how it plays out cuz I, you know, predictions are hard enough as it is. It doesn't matter what division you're trying to size up and figure out, you know, who's going to win and who's going to make the playoffs, who's going to maybe struggle, but at the end of the day, it's even more complicated when you have four teams that have a legitimate claim to making the playoffs, if not winning the division. And that's what we've got with the NFC West. It's going to be, as you say, a real a real dogfight, so to speak, all season long. And when you consider that these teams are all going to play each other two times, you know, that's eight games that all going to be meaningful, and it's going to make for some great football. So, Uh, Let's kick it off here. Typically, we've gone through the teams in order of last year's finish, but we're going to reverse that this week and start at the bottom with a team that wasn't expected to finish at the bottom of the division last year, but did the San Francisco 49ers. And many people know that last year, the 49ers were riddled with injuries. Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback, was missing for more than half the year. They lost Nick Bosa for pretty much the entire year. George Kittle barely played, and when he was, he wasn't a hundred percent. So uh, even more, Mostert was hurt in the backfield. Tevin Coleman. I mean, they the, they had a laundry list of injuries last year, and certainly that did contribute to their off season. But this year, they're looking a lot more healthy, and they're expecting, I think, to rebound. This year, what are you looking at when you're trying to size up the 49ers this year?
1: Well, Pete, to say that the 49ers had a disappointing last season would be an understatement. Um, When you have that kind of talent on the roster, accompanied by a young, talented head coach in Shanahan, you expect a playoff berth. And in fact, you could argue the expectations were higher than that even, given the fact they were coming off the Super Bowl loss to the Chiefs the season prior. Ultimately, though, like you said, the injury bug bit deep. And they weren't able to overcome it. I mean, do you remember that week two game last year against the Jets when they lost Bosa for the season with a torn ACL and Jimmy G, I think, went down in the same game?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a major blow early in the season. And we've talked about it in the first couple episodes about how excited every team is in the preseason about their prospects. They every team. Talk Whether they have a legitimate shot at the Super Bowl or not, they like to talk themselves into believing that they can actually get to the Super Bowl if everything goes right. And when you have some early season adversity like that, it can really take the wind out of your sails.
1: Absolutely. And you know what, though? Despite all the injuries, they were still in the playoff hunt come week 15 before the surprise loss to the Cowboys. So you know what? I'm expecting huge things from the 49ers this year, along with the rest of the NFL. And for me, it starts with the addition of number three overall pick, Trey Lance. I yeah. mean, the guy's a dual threat quarterback. Uh, they're going to be able to utilize him in their balanced attack. And with that deadly running game, I think there are going to be a lot of opportunities on the table for play action, uh, an area that Lance excelled in in North Dakota State.
0: Yeah, I think the 49ers really throughout the offseason have been – One of the teams that have been most talked about and most discussed because with that number three overall pick, everyone was trying to predict who they would end up taking in the draft. Of course, there was a lot of buzz around Mac Jones. Sources were saying that head coach Kyle Sanahan loved Mac Jones. And uh, I know that a lot of people thought That's where he would go. But come draft day, he went with Trey Lance, and here we are.
1: Yeah, and the 49ers are saying all the right things with Jimmy G being the leader and, you know, the guy that's kind of in the driver's seat right now. But I I think, you know, we all know that when you draft a QB at number three overall, you don't want that guy warming the bench. The writing's on the wall. Eventually, I see Trey Lance stepping into that role. And just think about the weapons he's going to have when he steps into that offense with George Kittle, you know, the generational talent at tight end. Brandon Ayuk and Debo as that gadget player. And never mind the great rushing attack led by rookie Trey Sermon. And for that matter, whatever running back happens to be the running back for that given week, because we know Shanahan's going to scheme that run game and he's going to produce yards. So you couple that with the 49ers also boasting the second best defense, in my opinion, in the division. And they're a well-rounded team. And they're going to be a threat.
0: They really are. And I do appreciate the slow play that Kyle Shanahan has put on Trey Lance starting. Uh, The media, of course, is all over that. They want to know when Lance is going to start, what Shanahan's plans are for Lance. But hot off the presses today, I don't know if you heard this, but just today, actually, Shanahan came out and said that Lance will play this year, which is a significant thing. He was, I think, even then, trying to say it in such a way that it would be uh, situational not necessarily that he would be installed as the starter this year, but that he would see playing time. So whether that's putting in a few packages for him or getting him some garbage time reps in games that the Niners are either winning by a margin, or perhaps losing by a margin, as difficult as that seems like they might do with a team as talented as theirs. He did admit that Lance will see the field this year, so it's going to be really interesting to see when exactly he takes the field and in what capacity.
1: Absolutely, and I think when he gets on the field, what we're seeing in the league now, this trend of, you know, this is not a new thing necessarily, but we're seeing dual-threat quarterbacks sort of becoming the norm, and these pocket passers are... You don't you don't want to say it's a bygone era because there's still, I mean, Brady just won a Super Bowl, but obviously there's a clear trend and it just opens up so many more opportunities for your offense. I think when they get him on the field and they see what he's capable of, they're going to have an awful hard time keeping him. What's the saying? Pandora's box? I mean, you're just not going to be able to close the lid on that once you get it started.
0: Yeah. And it'll be interesting for sure to see when he takes the field and if he can really supplant Jimmy Garoppolo. I I wonder if it might take longer with a a really healthy and a motivated Jimmy Garoppolo out there. Uh, I know most people don't really rate him as a quarterback and and think that he's really, I mean, let's be honest, he is keeping the seat warm for Lance, but I wonder if maybe Garoppolo might get that one more season in with the Niners. Do you think that's possible?
1: There's obviously a chance for it to happen. I mean, he is the guy right now. And if he comes out and he has a strong start to the season, then anything's possible. But I just think Shanahan's a smart coach. I think he knows what Trey Lance is capable of. We've kind of seen Jimmy Garoppolo and what he can do. And, you know, he did bring them to the Super Bowl. Obviously, he's got that. But ultimately they haven't won the ultimate prize and I think you know Shanahan's gonna see what he's got in this young rookie and I'm sure he had lots of influence on drafting that player and I think he's gonna want to get his guy in there and you know I'd say if I were gonna if I were a betting man I'd put it at maybe 70 percent chance that Trey Lance ends up being the starter for the rest of the season at some point in the season, and I think it's going to happen early by game three or four.
0: It's possible. I think if I was to provide a, a, a differing viewpoint on that, I think the 49ers are so good that really for Garoppolo to lose his job, he's got to lose football games. That's ultimately, I think, they're going to be the big decider in you know, who's starting at quarterback. And it's difficult for me to think that Garoppolo is going to come in and lose the team games by playing just so poorly that Shanahan essentially has no choice but to put Lance in. I think that the team is so good. The defense is, is so strong. And Shanahan's offensive plan, his scheme, they've got enough playmakers there. And I don't really see them losing out of the gate and forcing Shanahan into that change early. But you never know.
1: Yeah, you could, you could be right there. I mean, as you said, Shanahan, I believe Shanahan is one of those coaches. There's a few in the league, you know, these young guys that have come in, McVay, funny enough, two of them in the same division where, you know, I mentioned it earlier, it doesn't matter who the running back is. Well, you know, I think the quarterback always matters, but when you have a coach that's as talented as these guys and the schemes that they're going to put in place for that quarterback to succeed, you can't understate the importance of that. There's certainly a path to it.
0: Well, I don't know about you, but I'd have to say that either way, whether it's Garoppolo or Lance, I see the Niners having a strong season this year. Last year, the Cardinals finished third with an 8-8 record. So middle of the road, 500 football. Of course, they too, and this seems to be a theme of the division, doesn't it? Young, offensive-minded head coaches. Cliff Kingsbury entering his third year as coach of the arizona cardinals he's got his man at qb and kyler murray he continues to add weapons at the wide receiver position and they i have to say the cardinals have done pretty good in terms of adding some defensive pieces to the mix as well they are a good football team and they're an up-and-coming football team when you take a look at the cardinals what are you sizing up there
1: Well, Pete, I couldn't agree more. I mean, with the cards, I think what we're witnessing is the ascension of what could be an all-time great in Kyler Murray. He's the prototypical dual-threat QB, and outside of perhaps Lamar Jackson, there isn't another QB that's as feared for what he can do with his feet. Uh, in the league mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned you can't understate what that does for your offense and that's kind of what I was getting out the Trey Lance thing is you're now forcing the defense to put extra bodies put extra eyes at least on the QB to look for that scramble play that that creativeness that they create that's just going to open up looks for other players and I'll tell you if I were building a football franchise from scratch and you know that guy named Patty Mahomes over there in Kansas City if he weren't available Kyler might be my first pick That's how much I believe in this kid.
0: Yeah, he really is an immense talent and really does force you to scheme, cover all the bases on the defensive side of the football, uh, which makes it very difficult when you have to cover not only the pass game, but what happens when the play breaks down, what happens when there's a designed run for Murray, to say nothing of the run game itself. So yeah, absolutely, this offense is going to create a lot of nightmares. And I think even though this division does boast some of the best defenses in the entire league, uh, it's going to be difficult to keep Kyler Murray under wraps and to keep this offense under wraps. They've got so much talent on that side of the football.
1: Yeah, and looking around the rest of the team, I mean, you've got DeAndre Hopkins, who, I mean, let's face it, he's an alpha receiver. Uh, And now with the addition of the Purdue standout Rondale Moore, I mean, that's going to be as feared a duo as you're going to find in the NFL, I think. And, you know, you just add that to what Kyler already adds with his feet. And, and, you know, as I said, DeAndre Hopkins and, um, you know, that scheme that Kingsbury is going to run where, you know, we've seen lots of success from the running game. And it's just going to be an exciting team to watch. And as you mentioned off the top, they've also spent a lot of draft capital on what was a fledgling defense last year. Uh, leading the way there is Zayvon Collins, um, you know, and pair that, oh, yeah. yeah, pair that with the addition of J.J. Watt, and I expect this to be a much improved defensive group from last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Now they've got Chandler Jones as well, although he's unhappy. He would like to be traded, but the team has made clear that they are not going to pursue a trade for him. They also lost Patrick Peterson in the offseason, so that's a big loss for them as well. And Though I think they are improved on defense and overall looking good, this would be where I would lay my question marks in terms of this team and what they're capable of ultimately this season, because I'm not sure that J.J. Watt is still the same J.J. Watt that we came to know and appreciate uh, as a member of the Houston Texans. Of course, he came over in the offseason after asking for and being granted his release by the Houston Texans. Part of that, I'm sure, was a respect thing, the franchise saying, we appreciate your service. You'll always be one of the best Houston Texans that have ever played for this franchise. I'm sure that his name and number will be retired in their ring of honor and that uh, he'll probably go on to the Hall of Fame. But I'm not sure that he still has it. And I wonder if that's what made it perhaps a little easier for the Texans to move on from him and his contract. So I, I'm really questioning if he's going to be able to bring it at the high level that we've been accustomed to.
1: Oh, well, absolutely. It's a great point. And I'm right there with you. I mean, J.J. Watt's not the player that he used to be, um, no doubt, or else the Texans wouldn't have let him go, like you said. And, and, you know, even with the defensive, uh, you know, acquisitions they've made in the draft, um, and there were a lot of them, they had a lot of picks in that draft, it's going to take time for those young defensive players to develop. And while I do see them improved in terms of a long-term prospect, I think it's going to be a bit of a work in progress. And it may start off a little rough out of the gate, but I expect them maybe toward the end of the season, maybe it's going to take a a little bit longer than that. Maybe we're talking, you know, a couple of years before we see this unit really start to make that progress but you know i think the future's bright they've got a lot of young players pair that with kyler murray who's like i said i mean one of the greats in the league i think already at his age Um, and this is going to be a team that's going to be competitive for a long time to come and Mm -hmm. i really think that if you take a look at this team i think just based strictly on the talent of the roster they're going to become one of the favorites in this division. I really believe that. Is this going to be the year? I mean, that's the question.
0: Yeah. And and that's just it because they're a young team and they're in the ascendancy. They're on their way up as a team. And if they played in another division, I think we'd already be talking about them as being division champs, whether realizing that this year or perhaps even being division champs already because they are that talented and they do have so much ability. But being in the NFC West, it's a whole different ballgame. And the old adage rings true, in order to be successful, ultimately it starts with winning your division because there's no guarantees beyond that. And if these teams do end up beating the tar out of each other for eight games, they really could end up hurting each other. It'll be interesting to see. I think the Cardinals are a bubble playoff team because of the division they're in.
1: I'm right there with you, and actually... As I said, I think long term the future is bright and at some point they're going to turn it on and they're going to be a force to be reckoned with.
0: Yeah. Well, let's uh, keep moving up that ladder. Let's move over to the LA Rams. 10 and 6 last year, finished in second place in the division and a lot of offseason movements or at least in terms of big name moves here because Matt Stafford came over from the Detroit Lions. And ever since that happened, you cannot stop Coach Son McVeigh from talking about how great Matt Stafford is. I think there's a lot of debate here as to what kind of a difference Stafford is going to make for the 10 and 6 Rams coming into this season. What do you think?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, the addition of Stafford, I mean, I love the pickup. I do think he has a sizable leap over Goff, obviously. I mean, Goff was a bit of a game manager. I think McVeigh was a little bit limited in what he could do with Goff under center. And there's no question that Stafford is a big jump up. It's going to be very interesting to see what he's able to achieve with the talented receiver core that they've got in place there. I mean, led by Woods and Cup. You talk about two guys who I I think uh, are underrated every year. It seems like Robert Mm -hmm. Woods and Cooper Cup are always up there, always having good seasons, and they're just not talked about as much as they should be. And I think Stafford, you know, he had Galladay in Detroit, sure, but I think if you take these two guys and you take that McVay scheme, and I think there's going to be opportunities for Stafford to have his best year that he's had in his career. And it's going to obviously take some time. I mean, there's always a bit of a a gelling that needs to happen between a new quarterback and new receivers. But look at Brady last year. I mean, he was able to go into a new city. And Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown was added. it. It can happen. It can happen where a guy comes into a new situation and uh, he finds that chemistry relatively quickly i think if we look at brady last mm-hmm. year there was a little bit of a struggle out of the gate maybe we see that with stafford but ultimately the strength of this team is the defense it's crazy to say because their offense is so good but <laughs> <laughs> the strength of the team is is that stalwart defense and that's going to keep them in in games i mean even if stafford's struggling in the beginning uh this is probably the best unit in the league and i mean what better a situation for stafford to come into than uh the L.A. Rams.
0: Yeah, I think you really pick up on a good point there with regards to Stafford fitting in, because I think Stafford in Detroit had a lot of free reign over the offense, and uh, his voice was really amplified within that offense. Uh, He was the unquestioned leader of not just the offense, but of the football team. He was a veteran, and he had a lot of say there. In L.A. with the Rams, he's coming in. He's going to be coming into McVay's system. Vey is a big scheme guy. This is how I work to get guys open. This is who the ball is designed to go to. And I do wonder if there'll be a little bit of an adjustment there for Stafford. It would be quite natural for there to be. However, that said, I don't think it'll be a big uh, obstacle for Stafford or for this team. This team is just loaded on both sides of the football. And they're simply put one of the best teams in the whole NFL. Uh, I'd have them top five easy probably top three, and I think you could maybe even make an argument for the best team in the NFL, at least on paper. And when you look at their recent body of work, I think they've shown that, I mean, obviously they've been to the Super Bowl, so they've shown they can get there like the 49ers. And so there's, again, just these teams that are all on the up. They're in their window right now. They are in win-now mode. They're looking to cash in. They want that Super Bowl. I think they're going to be really hungry this year.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I, Stafford, I think, is 33 years old, which, you know, hey, if Tom Brady, I, I'll go back to Tom Brady again. If he's the model now for what a quarterback could do in the NFL today, maybe that's maybe that's pretty young age for a QB but I think he is obviously going to be a huge improvement I mean you just look at what Stafford can do in terms of his ability to read defenses and work through his progressions that's something that not to keep uh, kicking a dead horse here in Jared Goff but I think that's an area that Goff really struggled in and I mean with McVay behind the bench you know I think is his talented a young coach in the game as you're going to see today sky's the limit here and I expect the Rams to be get back into the top five and points scored this year and you couple that with the defense that they've already got they're going to carry over from last year and there's just absolutely no reason this team can't be like you said top three in the NFL
0: yeah I really think that this is the most complete version of the Rams in the Sean McVay era well, there's only one team left in this division. It's last year's division champs, and it's your favorite team, Eric Radicek, the Seattle Seahawks, Mr. 12th man himself. Uh, let's take a look at your boys out on the West Coast. What are you looking at from them this year?
1: Uh, well, see, I'd hoped you weren't going to bring up the fact that I was a Seahawks fan so that everything I'm about to say wouldn't be painted with the brush of, oh, he's just a homer.
0: <laughs> well, you can only, you know, being a homer, when your team is good, you can't blame you. You know what I mean? You can't blame you.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I can't I, I'm only Joshing you. But the Seahawks and, you know, you said it off the top, the twelfth man. And you know what I'm looking forward to most this year is with COVID, you know, knock on wood here, hopefully starting to subside and uh, you know, getting fans back in the stadium, I cannot wait for that first week where we've got a game in Seattle and you hear that twelfth man roaring because I think it's just such a huge advantage the Seahawks have over other teams in the league. And I just can't wait to see football with fans in the stadiums again.
0: Yeah, I I really admire the Seattle 12th man, the crowd and how crazy and loud they are. It's definitely one of, if not the loudest stadiums in the league. But perhaps one of the most surprising stats from last year is in a year when no fans were in attendance for these games, the Seattle Seahawks went 7-1 and at home without their fans. How about that?
1: Something in that Seattle water, eh? <laughs> <laughs> they just can't lose
0: at home. Fans,
1: no fans. It's absolutely true. It, it doesn't seem to matter. They're so deadly at home. And, you know, just to dive deep on the on the season that was last year and then into the offseason this year, obviously the one cloud hanging over the Seahawks over the offseason where all these reports coming out about Russell Wilson you know his unhappiness and perhaps even wanting out of Seattle but that seems to have been put to bed now and Russell Wilson recently had an interview and he went on the record to say that his relationship with Pete Carroll is in a better place than it's ever been there's always going to be a debate about Seattle you know misusing Russ's talents by not leaning on him more in the past game
0: let me just interject there sorry Eric when Russell Wilson says that do you believe him
1: I do believe him. You know, you know what I like about Russell Wilson is I do believe he's a team first guy. I like his, I like his attitude. And I, I know that he was a little unsettled, let's say over the off season this year and in years past, that would have been something to hold against a player. But I got to say the NFL has changed so much. I mean, you look at what's happened in the game over the last decade or so. And it just seems like every team nowadays has multiple players who are either sitting out, you know, not practicing because they're not getting their contract. They're unhappy because of the scheme or they're not getting enough touches. Or in the case of Russell Wilson, seemingly because he's not getting to, you know, cook. That was the big thing coming into the season last year. Mm -hmm. But you know, at the end of the day, I would say that there are some merits to that way of thinking. Like, of course, you've got a generational talent in Russell Wilson. You've got a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion. We all want to see Russ Cook. We know what he's capable of. At the end of the day, though, Seattle's more balanced, run-heavy approach has still produced back-to-back 4,000 yards for Russell Wilson. Mm -hmm. With last season, actually seeing him hit his career high of 40 touchdown passes. I mean, there is plenty of room to cook and you factor in DK Metcalf and his development and, you know, he's already an alpha, but he's only going to get better at route running and the capability that he has and the opportunities that he opens up for Russell Wilson coupled with the run game. I expect that offense to have a lot of success this year.
0: Absolutely. Uh, The Seahawks are going to be in the mix. There's no question about it. And I agree. I think Wilson, uh more or less i mean now if they pull back the reins again this year and say you know we're going to go run heavy that might change but uh, you know i think russell is a kind of guy that is, he's a team guy you know he wants to work with the team i don't think he he's a type of guy that looks to get out if that makes sense like i don't i don't think he's just looking for an excuse to get out of seattle I've never thought that. I think Seattle loves, or uh, Russell loves Seattle and wants to stay there, absolutely, uh, but he wants to have a little more of a say, and it'll be interesting to see if the team gives him that, because last year, that's all the preseason talk was, was are, are we going to see Russell Wilson slinging the football around more? Uh, he was also actually complaining about uh, getting hit so often and felt that the team wasn't investing in the offensive line as much as it should to protect the investment that Russell Wilson is at the quarterback position. So I wonder, you know, if they, if they get off to a a bit of a rough start or Wilson is taking big hits or not allowed to throw the football as much as he'd like, I, I wonder how much of this stuff will resurface, but I do think that he's acting in good faith. I think he wants to be there He wants to do well. He wants to win a Super Bowl with the Seahawks. I absolutely believe that. But there are issues here on this team. Jamal Adams, for instance, not practicing. He's waiting for a long-term deal from the team. And just this week, we heard that he's not the only one. Left tackle, speaking of the offensive line. Dwayne Brown is in the final year of his contract and is seeking an extension. And it was reported this week from ESPN's Adam Schefter that Brown isn't pleased that he's still having to wait on a new deal. And so this, I wonder, might cause some problems as well. Do you think these guys get signed?
1: Yeah, that's a great point, Pete. And that's um, that's a developing storyline, obviously. But, you know, I think that players now today and with the agents that they've, they've got providing that team uh, negotiation tactics, let's say, with the team, I think they know, players understand now more than ever that they've got leverage in these negotiations and Mm -hmm. they've seen other players do it right they've seen other players hold out wait for the contract and this is what they do now in order to leverage themselves and get themselves a a, you know a longer term deal or more money or whatever it happens to be depending on the specific situation I think that these guys want to play football I, I know that Jamal Adams in particular, obviously a guy that you can't lose. I mean, you gave up so much to get him. I think it was two first round picks, if I'm not mistaken. And you look at that cost us. And you mentioned early about one of the weaknesses being the offensive line. You're absolutely right there. And I mean... What better way to spend that first round pick than on another O-lineman? And I'm sure that would have made Russell Wilson happy. So you can't bring Jamal Adams in and pay the King's ransom that you did and not get this guy signed to a long-term deal. I think cooler heads are going to prevail. And I don't see Jamal Adams missing any time in this season. No way.
0: Yeah, there's no question about that. There would be some serious egg on the face of the Seahawks if they somehow let Jamal Adams go given the Kings ransom, as you said, that they paid to the Jets to get him. And he is a top player. Uh, I don't think there's any injury worry around him, is there?
1: I don't believe so. Not as far as I know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, quite frankly, this guy's a stud on the defensive side of the ball, and the Seahawks desperately need him. I'm surprised that a deal hasn't been done already with this guy.
1: Absolutely. And I think I'd look for a deal to get done pretty soon. I mean, you know, we can look at another situation where you've got a, a defensive back who is maybe a little sour at his team right now, your very own uh, Miami Dolphins and Zavian Howard, you know. And, well, and- let's not go there. <laughs> I had Hey, you wanna, you're want pouring salt in the Jamal Adams, dude. I got to give it right back. <laughs> but, but we look at what's happening there, though, and cooler heads are prevailing. The report today is that he's going to report to the team. He's going to practice. He's getting back in pads while the team works to negotiate that long-term deal. And I think we're going to see something happen similar with Jamal Adams. And I'd look for a deal to get done before the uh, camp goes too much longer here.
0: Yeah, one thing is for sure that when we're looking at this division, whoever is going to come out, you know you can't put a foot wrong this year because the competition is so intense. You've got to be doing everything to the letter. You've got to be fully focused. You've got to be giving a full effort. You need everybody on the team rowing in the same direction because if just one person isn't, you've got the Rams, you've got the 49ers, and you've got the Cardinals, and – Vice versa, they've got the Seahawks to deal with. So again, this division is is so tight and so strong. It's going to be a really exciting season. Let's move into prediction time and what we see. I've been kind of keeping my own running count here. I posted a, in our Facebook group actually just today about my tally of teams that I have making the playoffs from this division. And uh, among them so far, as we've previewed the NFC East, north and south and now the nfc west i've got the washington football team winning the nfc east i've got the cowboys getting a wild card spot i've got the packers winning the north with no other teams making it the bucks winning the south with no other teams making it so i've got room for three out of these four teams to make the playoffs and i'll just go right ahead and and give my picks I think the Cardinals are going to be the odd team out here. I think they're simply not quite the well-oiled machine that they desire to be. They're definitely on the up, but these teams in in front of them are all in win-now mode. They're all going to be giving it everything and are more talented and more polished on both sides of the ball. So I am going with the L.A. Rams to win this division. I think the Niners will rebound to finish second. I think the Seahawks will be, in this case, a very respectable third. And even the Cardinals to be a respectable fourth, but to miss out on the playoffs. So there you go. I've got Rams, Niners, Seahawks, cards in that order. Who you got?
1: Well, this is where we're going to have to agree to disagree, my friend, because... All right, some disagreements. (laughs) Listen, I don't... Disagree with your take on Arizona. I think, you know, absolutely. I think Arizona is going to take that step. I don't think this is the year. They're the odd man out. I do think we will have three teams from this division make the playoffs. We agree there again. But where we disagree is the order, the pecking order of where those teams are going to come in. We talked about the Seahawks, okay? And... We talked about the additions. Well, we didn't talk about, but let me talk about it now. Russell Wilson is going to be happy with the additions of Gerald Everett at tight end and Dwayne Eskridge coming in as the rookie uh, in the wide receiver corps to join Lockett and Metcalf. I think they're poised for another big year, but one thing we have to address is with the Seahawks, their run game was a bit in shambles last year because of the injuries to Chris Carson. Chris Carson's back. That run game's back. He had an injury plague season. I expect him to get back to being a 1,000-yard, 1,200-yard rusher, double-digit touchdowns, and you pair that with that passing attack and what it's capable of. I think teams are going to have a hard time keeping up with Russell Wilson, the veteran quarterback who's been there, done that. It may not be the sexiest pick, but I'm going with the Seattle Seahawks to take the division.
0: It may not be the sexiest pick, but it's a hot take, baby. Hot take.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I I just think with a lot of these other teams, we talked about all the areas that they improved in, right? They brought in a lot of, you know, whether it's veteran players, rookie draft picks, but you know what, at the end of the day with that, we also talked about, there's a little bit of a learning curve there and there's a chemistry that needs to be built. And there's something to be said for consistency. And I I think we'll see with Chris Carson getting back and dominating the run game. And we know what Russell Wilson's going to give us with DK Lockett and the new guys I just mentioned what's not to like I've got Seattle number one I've got the Rams at number two and I've got San Francisco at number three
0: respectable I can appreciate that let's move into some fantasy talk my friend and uh, I'm sure we've got lots to talk about but before we get straight to the players I want to make this point I've I've made this point to you on a number of occasions but I just want to say it now and maybe discuss for a little bit your football pool that you are the commissioner of that I am a participant in. And it's my favorite football pool on the planet. I absolutely love it. I love the settings. I love the way it's set up. It's an auction league. We've just incorporated the FAB waiver priority. And I'm going to have you just do a, a real quick, simple explanation of what is an auction league and what is the FAB system for our listeners
1: yeah and pete let me just i guess start off by saying thank you because that means a ton coming from you i mean you're one of the guys that yeah i'd say you and gino and when coming in and starting fantasy i don't know about 10 years ago or so and being in a bunch of leagues with you guys and just seeing the knowledge that you have and you know hearing that come from you really means a lot so i appreciate that and i think yeah i think we built something a little bit different a little bit unique. It is an auction league, like you said, and for anybody that's into fantasy, if you haven't tried an auction league, I would highly recommend you go out there and find one. It's just a ton of fun. I mean, it just adds a completely new dimension to fantasy. You're not just ranking your players anymore. You need to decide. There's little nuances. You need to decide how much you want to spend on player A versus player B. And I think some of the most fun is had you know, when you're bidding with one of your buddies across the table as we usually get together on draft night. And, and you just, when, when is he going to, you know, it's almost like you're playing, it's a game of poker, right? And you're just, you're hoping he's going to fold and you're going to put that one extra dollar is going to make all the difference and you're going to take down a player. And I think that excitement just adds so much to it. Um, But for those unfamiliar with the concept, basically everybody starts off with a $200 budget. And that $200, it's not real money. You can set the buy-in to the league, whatever you'd like it to be. But that $200 is used to essentially uh, draft players. And so, you know, if you want the big running back, if you want to pick up Christian McCaffrey, well, he might cost you $70. And then you need to try to construct a roster around him with the other 130. So you can take so many different approaches in an auction league. You can go studs and duds, where you, you get a couple of those types of guys. And then you just fill out your roster with a bunch of duds, $1 players, or... Or you can take a more balanced approach, which you did last year, Pete, in that league. And I'm happy to say you walked away uh, with the title after five years of uh, you being on the podium. I think just about every year you managed to do it. And, you know, I got to admit, I questioned the philosophy on draft day. I thought <laughs> I thought studs and duds was the way to go. I, you know, I, I've seen it done. I've seen it work. And you're taking some risk, but you got it done with a lot of guys who would have been considered second rounders. You know, maybe even into the third rounders. But you just had so many of them, and it just a testament to your studying up every year. And uh, yeah, congratulations on that.
0: Well, thanks. And one of the things that I love about the auction league so much is that there's more than one way to win the league. It's not just about getting the first pick of the first round or, you know, just getting a, perhaps a sleeper laid on or, or what have you, or having the draft just kind of fall into your lap in, in the snake draft, but that you can win with the balanced approach. You can win with the studs and duds. And that's what makes it so exciting to me is that there's more than one way to win and it's a keeper league and I love the way the keepers are set up so that you can keep them for a few years, but it becomes just increasingly difficult to hold on to those guys the longer that you have them. And it just causes you to always be thinking and always be thinking about your next move and, and what you got to do. And I just I just love everything that goes into that pool. So thank you for running it. Let's get into the players. And I mean, where do you want to start, man? There's so many fantasy implications in this division. Uh, which comes natural when you have four good teams and four good offenses. Where do you want to start here?
1: Well, what better place to start than you know? I've I've heard um, there's a guy in the industry that refers to them as, and I, forgive me, I I can't remember his name now, but he calls them cheat code quarterbacks and I like that term because it makes me think of the old video games and up down left right start select blah 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 and (laughs) you, you look at some of those guys who can who are dual threats you look at the guys like Kyler especially to a lesser extent Russell Wilson and obviously now with Trey Lance coming into the league what they're going to be able to add on the ground. And Kyler is a known commodity. I I think he's going very high in drafts. You're going to have to pay up to get Kyler Murray, which wasn't the case as much last year. So he's not as much of a screaming value, I'd say. But I Mm. am absolutely looking for Russell Wilson and even Trey Lance because you can get them so much later in the draft. And I think they offer just a ton of upside.
0: How would you rank them fantasy you want to, you got a top three? Let's forget, let's assume Garoppolo's four and maybe even Lance would probably be four. Do you think so?
1: Yeah, I think the way I would do it, can I do it two ways? Go for it. Okay, I'm going to do it one way as if, you know, who would I rather have on my team, right? But then the next way I'm going to do it is who would I would I rather have on my team at the relative price on draft day? So obviously, obviously, Kyler Murray's the guy to have. If, if they're all costing the same price, if I can all get them in the same round, it's going to be Kyler Murray, then I'd probably take Russell Wilson, then Matt Stafford, then some combination of Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo. If I can have them at their relative ADP, I like Russell Wilson and Matt Stafford. I'm staying away from Kyler. The price is too high. And if I can get, as I said, if I can get Trey Lance and and Jimmy Garoppolo later in the draft, I think you've got a good advantage then at other positions, running back and wide receiver namely. So that's how I would have it.
0: Yeah. And just for anyone unaware, ADP is average draft position. So we're talking basically the cost that you have to pay, whether it's an auction league or how high you have to draft them in a the snake league and getting them on your football team. So there usually are some bargains down there for the, at the quarterback position, uh, more so than some other positions for sure. Well, uh, beyond the quarterbacks, there's still some, you know, almost want to take this team by team here. One thing that intrigues me with your Seahawks is the fact that Rashad Penny's back in the mix in that backfield. And all the reports I'm hearing, he is back, he's fully healthy, he feels great, and he wants to make a big contribution to this team. Now, Carson is himself uh, a very good player. I had him on my fantasy team last year that ended up winning it all, as you said. So obviously, he's not just going to come in and take Carson's job, but I'm I'm wondering if maybe he'll play enough to really eat into Carson's points this year.
1: It's going to be really intriguing. I mean, you really hope that the kid is going to come in, and I mean, he's only 25 years old. He's still, I mean, obviously, he's shown us, he's flashed here and there that he has a ton of talent, a ton of upside. His ability to stay healthy has always been the knock on him. You know, I think he could come in and spell Carson. I think you could see him in a third down role. Although we've been hearing reports that DJ Dallas could also factor into the third down. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. At the end of the day, as we talked about with the Rams, we we know we need to have depth at the running back position. It's just a position that just gets beaten up. And if you get a guy that lasts 16 games and 16 healthy games, go play the lotto because it just usually doesn't happen. These guys take a beating week in and week out. So if you could see a situation where you've got a you know, I'm going to compare it to almost like an Alvin Kamara and a Mark Ingram situation. Like we had in new Orleans a few years back. I think that's the prototype. If I were a head coach in the NFL, that's what I want to see. I want to see that thunder and lightning and I think Carson could be your thunder and Penny absolutely is that lightning.
0: All right, Eric, episode five's in the books. Thanks so much for coming on. You're going to be back with us next week.
1: I can't wait, Pete. I had a blast. And again, I I think it's just great what you're doing here. And I'm just going to be your number one fan listening to every episode. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy that you you had me on the show and I'm looking forward to next week.
0: As am I, my friend. And we're going to hop right over to the AFC West. What an incredible division that is. We'll have a lot of fun talking about that. Join us next week. Until then, peace out, homies.